Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Get it underway. Can you believe it? Heidi, it's Wednesday already. We're halfway through the week. It's amazing. All right, so we're closer to Friday than we were on Monday, and that's always a good thing. I want to keep that in front of everybody. Uh, Ken Yang is here with us. He is a activist for the Republicans. He's got his own business that helps Republican candidates. He works over at Family Council. Mm Mm-hmm. Is there anything you don't do? I don't think so. The the uh, <laughs> Saline County just uh, oh, you're he, president now. Uh, yeah, they elected me chairman? Cha- chairman of some, the Saline County. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. I don't know if it's actually congratulations, but sure uh, it is. <laughs> sure it is. That's how you. That's where you start to make yourself the the chairman of the the Arkansas GOP one day. Uh, we'll see. We'll see about that <laughs> <laughs> one day. I got to ask you something that I was talking to a friend of mine about last night late do you think the republican party is close to splitting no okay i worry because i'm i'm seeing some just establishment uh gop people just going absolutely off the ranch about some of the things about trump and then i'm seeing people that are you know trump supporters not so much Republican supporters now saying people like Tom Cotton need to be voted out of office, which I just want to bang my head against the wall about that. You know, I think um, obviously it's a very emotional time. A lot of things are happening and, you know, we're just kind of airing out a dirty laundry. The Democrats went through this not too long ago. Uh, Republicans have gone through this before. Yeah, we have. Uh, you know, there was a lot of squabbling when Obama, you know, won two terms in a row. And um, it was because of Bush. Remember yeah, that? Bush, Romney, uh, Romney's second campaign and, and Bush's, how Bush left, you know, the country. A lot of the uh, U.S. senators lost, a lot of congressmen lost after Bush's uh, term. So I think this is growing pains. Um, you know, I could be wrong where we split, but if if we're, I won't say dumb, if we're dumb enough to split, you'll continue to see more things like Georgia happen. Uh, you're exactly right. And so if if you're thinking about sitting at home, I'm never voting for a Republican again, I'm never going to do, I'm never going to do this or that or whatever, uh, you know, you got to look in the mirror and say, okay, so are you going to vote for the Democrat? And if you don't go vote, and the Democrats get out their people to vote, you're going to get more Raphael Warnocks, more John Ossoffs uh, in the Senate and in Congress. 
and uh, then it'll be almost impossible for the Republicans to come back. Well, you know what? If they continue not to show up at the polls and they allow the people who won in Georgia to continue winning, our country is in really a bad yeah. future for us. Their, their ground game, I mean, if you just look at Georgia, their ground game was just spectacular. The Democrat ground game during that runoff was spectacular compared to the Republicans. Now, I know the people, I can hear it already, people all, uh, uh, you know, in the runoff, you know, voter fraud, mail-in ballots, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Let's just, well, I'll just, let's just agree. Okay, all that happened in that race. So our job now is to make sure that we stop voter fraud before it happens, yep. not throw a temper tantrum after, after it, it happens. happens. That's right. I, we have to fight against it. Yeah. And that means some of the things that went down here in Pulaski County, for instance. That's right. We got to keep that in the front, on and the front page, yeah. and the people who did it and we pretty well know who did it, mm-hmm. uh, need to be punished. Yeah. And I'm saying jail time. Yeah, Mr. Poe. And uh, there needs to be ramifications for the county judge that hired that gentleman and refused to get rid of him. Uh-huh. Uh, and so we got, we got to make sure you know that we do it at the front end. And by sitting at home and not doing anything ensures that they'll continue to to do what they're do with d- doing when it comes to voter fraud, to find new boxes, to find new mailers. That, that's what's going to happen if people continue to stay at home. Yes, I understand people are angry that it happened. People want things to change, but you, you institute change by staying involved and making sure it doesn't happen in 2022 or 2024. Everybody has to – I've been trying to get people to listen to me on a, on a couple of things. That is the Constitution – of the United States of America is our bedrock. That is the the law and order that we're supposed to be following. And that means when you look at the elections, we've got to go to some of these states that have such wacky things that are going on and stop it. We've got to stop it. As yes. voters, we have got to stop it. Can you vote? No, you can't vote, but you can go and educate. Yep. Because that's what they're doing. They're not. They're not educating with the truth. Yeah. They're they're educating with falsehoods. We've got to get out there and fight fire with fire. Yeah. As they're far educating, as that's and at the at the back end of the education, they're signing them up to vote. Yes, they are. Uh, and you know, we continue to struggle with the Hispanic vote and the you know the a growing segment Asian Americans. Those are the two segments that we need to attack. And that doesn't mean we ignore the African-American vote because we've made, under President Trump, leaps and bounds with the African-American vote. And we need to continue to, to nurture those those relationships, too. They believe what we believe in. Mm-hmm. They really do. That's their, the Hispanics their, especially yeah. believe yeah. in what their we believe in. Their cultural background, believe they believe what we believe in. Yeah. And I and I agree with that. Ken's going to be with me until about seven thirty this morning. Uh, let me give you the lineup of what the show looks like today. Uh, coming up at six thirty-five, uh, Doctor Donna Claren will join me by phone. She's a family nurse practitioner, program director at the Carr College of Nursing at Harding University. New things going on there. I'll tell you about that. Then we'll come back at seven o five. And uh, Congressman French Hill will join us. We'll talk to uh, 
uh, to the congressman. And then at uh, 7.35, uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman will join us. And Bruce was in the Capitol when all that crap was going down. And he's going to talk about what that was like with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. So we got a lot of things to talk about today. Uh, note that I need to make with you, because yesterday Rose Mims was on Mark saw Right to Life, and she was talking about the March for Life that was coming up on this Sunday. It has now been postponed to a date that will be announced later. Uh, the event, of course, is held each year in remembrance of the anniversary of the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision that legalized abortion in the nation. Uh, The decision, says Rose, was made in the interest of safety for the thousands of individuals, including elderly and disabled, and families with children who travel from all parts of the state to attend the annual march. Uh, MEMS encouraged supporters to visit the organization's website, which is www.artl.org, to get the latest information about the uh, rescheduling of the March for Life and their pro-life activities throughout the year. And, of course, keep it here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and I'll keep you up on that as well, uh, because uh, being as pro-life as I am, I'm always pushing what they're doing. Now, let me talk a little bit about why uh, it's been evidently uh, postponed. The word that I have here, let me find it here, is a group that is known as, where is it? I'm looking for it here. Uh, that, uh, it is the Boogaloo Movement, evidently. Uh, this is a, a really far-right movement, just so you'll know. Uh, these guys show up wearing Hawaiian shirts and stuff and then military gear as well. Oh, they're correct. It's crazy. I'm looking at Heidi. Heidi's looking at me like, say what? Yeah, I hadn't heard of them. I had I had not heard of the Boogaloo Boys, and uh, I had I I went to my source, and that of course is Elizabeth because she gets on the internet for me mm-hmm. then and figures it all out, and she sent me a thing about them. They wear military gear and Hawaiian shirts, and one of their leaders was arrested after last Wednesday. Uh, inside the Capitol, and they have called for a uh, evidently nationwide state Capitol rally this Sunday. So I guess I'm thinking and assuming that uh, if I've got that information, law enforcement has that information, Rose Mims got that information, and good on her, taking no chances. Yeah, I agree. Um, You know, I I have seen some... Uh, groups on Facebook say, you know, we have seen no uh, uh, evidence of this going to happen. Well, you know, I prefer, well, one, Facebook groups aren't the ones that, you know, have the evidence of whether it's going to happen or not. But two, you know, I would err on the side of caution. And I think that's yep. what Rose is doing, especially when the, the FBI has been involved in this. Um, and the FBI has chimed in saying that it's a possibility you know, and, and I know they're trying to do it in all 50 states. And so if it's a possibility in all 50 states, maybe Arkansas is not one of them and it's in 23 states or something like that. But uh, you, with the right to life, March for Life, um, you, know, you have thousands of people coming. It's not like you only have like a couple hundred coming or something. It's thousands of people and 
putting those people at risk could be a bad job. Five Boogaloo boys, but five people is enough to cause problems. Yes. Just telling you. That's right. It doesn't, it doesn't take a whole lot to to get into a, you know, into a group of thousands and cause problems. Uh, Ken and I will continue our talk. When we come back, we're going to talk about what happened uh, last Wednesday. I want to get his thoughts on it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, I got a message from uh, State Senator Bob Ballinger last night. He's running the Stand Your Ground legislation today at 930. Uh, Paul Calvert from our uh, power panel is going to, to uh, and be, will be able to get in and to, to view what goes on in committee. And uh, hopefully I'll have him on tomorrow in the first hour and we'll talk to him about what goes down. Let me just ask you, why is it that some houses so quickly and others sit on the market for months and months? Could it be that the agent that you have isn't doing the job? That's the question that you've got to ask yourself and where I'm going to try to give you an answer here because Phil and Belinda had tried to sell their country club home in Maumel for six months and they hadn't even had a nibble. Not even, you know, the bobber didn't even move. Uh, they heard about Dustin Turner, gave him a call, and that one call changed everything. Uh, Dustin met with them, shared his expert advice on marketing their home and getting the most money for the property. They worked with Dustin's contractors, then put the home on the market, ready, set, sold, and in a few weeks, the home was sold for top dollars. So I've been telling you about Dustin now for several months. Uh, Don't delay. If you're looking to sell your home, and now it's a seller's market, it's time to sell, is now, uh, you'll want to call him and talk to him. 501-952-2969. That's 501-952-2969. 2969 or if you like doing everything online then go to hometeamsoldit.com that's hometeamsoldit.com and you can start packing your bags and get ready to move all right we continue ken yang is uh how am i supposed to refer to you you do so many different things should i call you the renaissance man no we're just political <laughs> consultant okay political consultant ken yeah. yang here on the, the I, I'm the look, he I'm does the, a lot. That's what I'm trying to tell I'm you. I'm the better version of J.R. Davis. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hear about that tomorrow morning. Yeah, I, I can say that because we're friends. I know you're good friends <laughs> with him, and I understand that. You know, look, sometimes you, these are people that you disagree on bills with and things. I mean, J.R. knows that I didn't agree with Gilmore as far as the the road tax and all that yeah but uh we're still friends yeah and i still have him on because i don't mind having their side saying what they think because then i say what i think that's right and we bounce it back and forth and then you make up your mind about what you what you want to do as far as all of that is uh, uh concerned all right so let's go back let's talk a little bit about uh, wednesday uh I, I posted the next day on the air how sad I was. I mean, my heart was just sad. Mm-hmm. I, I do not, I did not and do not want to see those things happening because that is not constitutionally what we should be doing to try to think, change things. That's right. Put, put all that, put all of that effort and energy uh, in the constitution and uh, maybe we can save the Republic, you know? You know, and and most of your listeners probably know, but you know, around the even around the state, <clears throat> when I talk to people about Dave Ellswick, 
Um, many people don't know you're a veteran. Mm. Um, and I, I think that's how it should be uh, because you're not, you know, you, you don't go around promoting it all the time and acting like you're... Today, I did. Yeah. yeah well, my, I got my hat today. But, you know, you're not on social media, you're not on the radio acting holier than thou, that you're better than everyone because you're a veteran and things of no. that sort. And I, and I saw too much of that after uh, Wednesday. Um, but but then the, the ones that have served, um, you also saw the immense sadness and anger of people that have served uh, this country and seeing that happen and knowing that that's not how we change things, uh, knowing that uh, that is I- equivalent to the destruction that it, that we saw, that we criticized over the summer with Black Lives Matters and Antifa and things of that sort. Um, and and but the the issue with society now is the few ruins it for the majority. Uh, though the the idea that those that committed those crimes are what represents the Republicans or the Trump movement is absolutely crap. Well, sure it is. Absolutely, it is. Just like BLM does not uh, reflect, I think, the majority of of uh, African Americans in this country. Correct. I talked to too many of them. I'm friends with a whole lot of them. Correct. And uh, they want the exact same things as what normal Americans want. You know, they don't want reparations. They don't want to burn buildings down or any of that. Now, there are, and I think this is where the real problem comes down, is how those two groups are are treated within the press, uh, treated, and in this case, by law enforcement, I mean, how many Black Lives Matter people were arrested and, uh, you know, came up in, in front of uh, the courts and things? Not as many as are being busted right now. That's right. For what happened in, on, on Wednesday. So, yeah, I got real problems with that. I got problems with uh, big tech and the way they're acting. Yes. And uh, because we allowed the, the Democrats to take over the Senate, basically, and they taken it over because – the the uh, vice president uh, has the final tie-breaking vote. I hope I got my fingers crossed that there are some Democrats that are in the Senate that will stand for the Constitution, but I'm not really sure. That's right. To be honest with you, so uh, you know we're we're in a tough spot right now, and and going after uh, big tech for mon- uh, monopolistic practices is going to be interesting, although. Our one caveat is uh, we will have the Supreme Court, I believe, on our side when monopolies are looked at. And Amazon should be worried about being drugged in front of the Supreme Court on, uh, you know, you know, monopoly yes. type things. Yes. I think Am- Amazon should be worried and hopefully they join with other these big tech firms. Google should be worried. Uh, Apple should be worried. Um, all these people that are squashing free speech I should be worried. It's no longer about these are private companies or private companies offer, operating in the public sphere. Who said they were going to be like a a public billboard right. and have become everything but that? Yes. 
Yes. You know, they they have, they are controlling the content now on on their their spheres. With that in mind, they are a publisher now. They de- they, they deactivated uh or restricted Ron Paul's page. Yep. For posting an article about big tech and posting about sedition and uh I mean, that's you know, Ron Paul never advocates or violence or anything like that it was just a, a clearly intellectual piece yeah and they said no that's uh against our uh, uh, uh rules here on facebook what can i say you know it's going to be it's going to be a fight there's going to be yeah. a fight now, but just just with, as, with that said yeah. can i say this there are republicans that are like bezos and got more money than god and if they wanted to could start their own kind of Google thing mm-hmm. if they wanted to. The question is, do they want to? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's where the battle is going to yeah. be. The lines are being drawn right now. we got 30 seconds. Go well, ahead. Well, you know, Rand Paul says, said something that I think is great. Just says when when the African-American community wanted to be heard and Black Lives Move, people overtook the Black Lives Movement and started to be violent. It made it hard to have intellectual conversations about criminal justice reform. It's the same thing here. If our side, if we let the few continue to be violent, it's going to be hard for our side to talk about election reform and things of, things of that sort for Republicans. And so Rand said we got we got to be careful when we want to have an intellectual conversation when it comes to violence. Agreed. Hey, don't forget about uh, St. Clarity Residential Cleaning. They'll do deep cleaning for your home. That means they'll get rid of the COVID-19 virus in your house by cleaning your home. And then if you're, uh, of course, making sure that just not every time Tom, Dick, and Harry's coming in, you know, you'll be able to keep the uh, the virus under control. Uh, to get a small home, and that's up to 1,500 square feet done, uh, know that it's a $200 charge. Uh, and you can come to 1011 FM, The Answer, and order a... Uh, a coupon for only a hundred dollars and get that done half price that's a good deal and uh i'm I'm sure that uh your wife or whomever cleans your house because if you're a guy that i'm talking to right now probably you're not you know mr clean you're not walking around with a bald head looking like your old brenner and and cleaning off uh, cleaning up your house but uh, if you got a big house 1500 to 2500 square feet uh, you're looking at $300, but you can get a, a 1011 uh, coupon and get that for 150 bucks. I'm buying two of those for my wife for Valentine's Day and uh, give her a few days off from having to do any cleaning. And they do it well. They do it from top to bottom. Uh, you'll talk with uh, Kristen and, and her uh, folks over at St. Clarity Residential Cleaning and know exactly what they're going to do they're going to get around all the light switches and all of that kind of stuff a deep clean for your home for think about this for under 1500 square foot only 100 bucks over 1500 square foot uh you know you're looking at 150 dollars call 404 6560 and talk to chuck uh do that about nine o'clock or after 404 6560 talk to chuck and buy your certificates today. Hey, joining us now here the rest of this half hour, Dr. Donna Claren is with us, Family Nurse Practitioner Program Director at Carr College of Nursing at Harding University. 
And uh, there is a Master of Science in Nursing, Family Nurse Practitioner degree that they're going to have. And why don't you bring us up on this, uh, Doctor, about what people uh, should know about hey, and hi. how they Thank go you, about doing Dave, it. Thank you, Dave, for having me today. Yeah, of course. Go ahead. Evans. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, so sorry. I'm having problems with my phone. Um, yeah, thank you for having me today. I appreciate that giving me the time. Um, yes, I am the program director for the Family Nurse Practitioner Program, and honestly, I could talk about it all day. So <laughs> you might want to you might want to um, help me focus a little bit on on what you what you'd like to know. Cause, well, let, um, let, me, let me start my off. Heart. Let me start by just asking you. Explain to us why uh, Harding wanted to come up with a family nurse practitioner's pro, uh, program type of uh, degree? Well, it's an advanced practice degree. So, um, well, let me let me go back just a little bit. Harding has a very long history of um, offering a nursing degree, a bachelor's degree, which actually I got from Harding in 1995. So we have a long history of developing um, great nurses. And so just kind of taking the next step and creating an advanced degree because a nurse practitioner has a little bit of a different role than a registered nurse. Um, To be redundant a little bit, it's an advanced role. Uh, The nurse practitioner goes beyond the bedside nurse um, and obviously the office-based nurse where where you're more likely to take orders from a physician. Um, instead, you are the one who is going to be evaluating the patient, um, coming up with the treatment plan, um, working with the patient one-to-one, and, and you're completely responsible for their care. So you, the nurse takes on the next step of the role where um, you provide all of the aspects of the patient's care versus just fulfilling orders. Not at all. Please do not think that I'm demeaning the role of the RN whatsoever. I'm probably just not very articulate in explaining the nurse practitioner as I wish I could be. Um, But there's a shortage of healthcare everywhere and there's a shortage of healthcare here in Arkansas where um, people don't have access to easily to healthcare providers. So the nurse practitioner role is meant to help fulfill some of that shortage because it's an extra person that's able to provide primary care services. Yeah, they're not going to be RNs, but they will be given more, uh, I guess, uh, training and give more information so they can do more oh, than just a you know a nurse practitioner kind of person. Well, so in order to come to the program and pretty much any program, um, you have to already be an RN with a bachelor's. So okay. in order to even come to the program, and we would really like you to have some experience practicing. Although our program allows for very brand new grads, people who just came out, they can come to the program. We just have them go into a part-time plan of study because we are very confident that they're going to want to work as an RN as well while they're in school. And so we try to set them up for success by offering a part-time plan of um, study so that they can work and be learning the next level 
of education. Okay, our guest, so we're building upon right. the BSN. All right. Our our uh, our guest is Dr. Donna Claren. She's the Family Nurse Practitioner Program Director and the Carr College of Nursing at Harding University now uh, has a, a Master of Science in Nursing Family Nurse Practitioner degree. And it says here that this is going to be really competitive, that you have to have this bachelor's degree to get into the program, but there may be a whole lot more people want to get in the program than what you can can handle. Is that what I'm seeing? Am I reading between the lines here? Well, it is possible because we want to make sure we we want to make sure that anyone who wants to come to the program is going to succeed in the program. Now, also, I want to make sure that people understand that we look at applicants holistically. That would mean that we look at not only their undergraduate GPA, but we interview them typically in person. But due to COVID, we do it over Zoom or some sort of virtual way. Right. Um, we look at their work experience. We look at um, their writing skills, all different types of things in order for them to come to the program. So we want people to be successful. So we want to make sure it's the right fit. It's really what they want to do and um, that they will be a great fit for Harding and Harding will be a great fit for them. Yeah, because after you train these folks, they're going to be dealing with patients. You want them to be ready to handle you know, doing something they want to be doing. Nothing worse than having somebody working with you and it's very obvious they're not happy doing what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. We have had um, great success so far. We've graduated four classes and they have all had, we've had a 100% pass rate on the national certification exam first time. And not only that is our students have been able to get jobs where they want to get jobs and um, are the preceptors. So what happens is the nurse, the student spends 720 hours in clinical practicum while they're in the program. So that means they're working alongside a healthcare provider, like a doctor or nurse practitioner or a PA depends on, you know, what, what the setting is. We let them go to all the healthcare providers and they're seeing patients in the clinical setting under the supervision of that other healthcare provider for 720 hours. And frequently, our students have found jobs with a previous preceptor because they have seen that they are well prepared and that they are more than competent to provide care. Okay, so how long does this take to complete? I mean, it's pretty doggone extensive, as you just said. You got 720 clinical practicum hours how many uh, hours are going to be credit hours uh, to get to, to the, this degree sure the traditional msn the person who doesn't already have a master's in nursing in another field will take 45 credit hours and if you're a full-time student that will take you five semesters and if you're a part-time student it takes you eight semesters We have a couple other options if people already have a nursing graduate degree. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that will all depend on that person's previous degree on how many hours that they need to um, have in order to fulfill the degree. But on on the whole, either five or eight semesters. Okay, real quickly before we go to our break and we got to get it in, and we're talking to Donna 
uh, Dr. Donna Claren, Family Nurse Practitioner Program Director over at Harding University at the Carr College of Nursing, about this uh, new you know, ab- ability for nurses to get more uh, education. You can do this full-time or part-time, correct? Yes, absolutely. You can do a full-time or part-time, and it also depends. We try to kind of figure out, are you going to want to work full-time, or can you cut down on your RN schedule and um, work part-time and go full-time? So we we just kind of help the student try to figure out what works best for them, if they should go to part-time or full-time plan a study based on their work and their family needs. All right, we're going to continue our discussion here in a moment. Uh, i got to get a break in. When we come back, uh, I want to talk about uh, is is there money, financial aid available to students and things of that nature, and we'll talk a little bit more in depth about the, the program it, itself. Dr. Uh, Donna okay. Claren is our guest, Family Nurse Practitioner Program Director uh, at Carr College of Nursing over at Harding University. If uh, there's something that sounds interesting to you stick around got uh, some more material to bring to you before we're done with our interview hey don't forget they're still looking for folks uh, for the covid19 vaccine clinical research study that's going on here in central uh, arkansas the uh, study's still enrolling here in the little rock area uh, if you participate in the trial you're going to have access to no-cost study-related care. You'll also have the opportunity to help advance COVID-19 research. There is no insurance that is required to take part. Just know that if you're an adult who's in good or stable health, you'll be able to qualify. Uh, call them at 501-954-7822, 501-954-7822, or online the letter C, the number 19, and vaccine study. That's all one word, c19vaccinestudy.com. All right, Dr. Donna Claren is our guest. She's the Family Nurse Practitioner Program Director at Harding University's Carr College of Nursing. We're talking about, uh, you know, what is the Master of Science in Nursing Family Nurse Practitioner degree uh, that they they offer you will feel you fill in kind of in the middle it sounds like to me between registered nurses and just uh you know people who take your blood pressure and stuff is that is that right do i have that right um well i think we often are thought of as filling in the middle between a registered nurse and a physician okay. it's more like it's it's a more education than a registered nurse um, and obviously less, less, a lot less education than a physician, but fully competent. Do they have the ability to write uh, prescriptions? Yes, sir. And it'll all depend. Every state has their own requirements. But okay. for instance, in the state of Arkansas, yes, we, we write prescriptions. Um, we have a collaborating physician. So someone that works collegially with us, um, and we can we kind of come up with a plan of what classes of prescriptions can be written, but we fully take ownership of what we write. Like we don't have to go back to the physician and say, "Hey, can I prescribe this?" Right. So we've received the education and the clinical practicum to be able to appropriately write prescriptions. Well, I went to college, and I can always tell you, college is never cheap. 
what about uh, federal financial aid for these people who want to get this particular degree? Yes, for if you're a traditional master's or a second master's student, there is federal financial aid opportunities. And you can talk to the financial aid department at Harding. I always tell the students, I give them a lead as to, you know, that it's uh, an option, but I always go to the experts in financial aid and tell them, be sure to call them so they can give you all the ins and outs of financial aid. Okay, and then finally, I guess I should have asked this, uh, can you can you work independently uh, with this degree? I mean, could you open yourself up a little clinic and, uh, and start seeing patients? Great question. And it all depends on which state you live in. So okay. I, uh, in the state of Arkansas, yes, you can. You still have, so to say the word independent, not we're not quite, quite there yet because you still have an, a collaborating physician, but they don't have to be on site. So I know several um nurse practitioners that have their own practice in the state of Arkansas. I will tell you, one of our graduates um, who lives in southeast Oklahoma, right out of the blocks, bought a practice of her previous preceptor. And the preceptor had said that she had been looking for someone to buy her clinical practice in a small town in Oklahoma, but never felt comfortable with anyone until our student came through and did her practicum with her and then felt very comfortable when um, the student had decided she wanted to purchase a, a clinical practice. So in Oklahoma, she she has her own practice, and we talk about it. She she stays in touch with us, and it's very exciting. And she's really fulfilling a need in that small town in Oklahoma. Well, Dr. Claren, let, let's talk about something that a lot of people don't like to talk about, and that is the grain of the American population, uh, you know, baby boomers, you know, which I am one, we're not young spring chickens anymore, and and we need more and consistent health care, but we, that means that we're going to need more health care workers that can, uh, you know, fill in the gap on this, and that's what this kind of degree program does, is it not? Oh, absolutely, and I think what really is great about the nurse practitioner profession is because we have already been trained how to be a caregiver, how to care for the person, not just treat a disease. And so what we are commonly known for is taking the time with our patients to really understand all aspects, their physical, their mental, their social, um, everything that might affect a person's health. And so that's really helpful for the older population as well, because there are so many factors that come into play that can be barriers to good health care. And the NP really helps that role. For this person that, that takes this degree, can can they can they zero in their practice? They maybe they want to do pediatric kind of treatment or they want to do geriatric treatment or are they more of a of a person who's going to be across the spectrum? Well the family nurse practitioner degree is an across the lifespan We train you to care for the patients from the baby to the very old, but you can decide that you want to hone in on a particular population. I did that in my own practice, and I actually did some specialty care um, in a practice in Memphis where I worked with pediatric neurology. 
So it's really flexible. I think it's one of the best options because you can treat all children. You can treat all older. You can treat in the middle. Mm -hmm. But we do prepare you to be able to do across the lifespan. All right. For folks that need more information and they want to apply, here's the big call to action. Where do they go? They can write me directly at dclarin, C-L-A-R-I-N, at harding.edu. But they can also go to harding.edu slash FNP, and they can get more information. Do you want a phone number as well? Yeah, sure. Okay, 501-279-4859. And I love to talk to anyone personally, so you're... You're going to get a call from me, and I'm going to talk to you about the program, and I would be more than happy to do that. And I can tell you from talking to Dr. Claren that she likes to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know me well. I do. I love to talk about this program. And And that's great. That's the kind of person they need to promote a program. And we appreciate you joining us today here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You go out and have a great Wednesday, all right? Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye now. All right. Remember that uh, that uh, website uh, is harding.edu and forward slash F-N-P. If you just go there, uh, you can get all the information that you'll want on this Master of Science in Nursing Family Nurse Practitioner uh, degree. And, uh, you know, that it sounds like a good deal to me. You know, so I've been talking to a lot of... Uh, Uh, different nurses and an area that i've been hearing that they really need nurses is in uh uh, the uh, you know palliative care uh, when people are dying and uh, there's just people screaming that they need people in hospice at this time so uh, you might uh, if you've got your nursing degree or whatever you might want to take a look at that and, and see what is available there as well. But our thanks to Dr. Donna Clearin. She's uh, been a good uh, guest of, of this show, and uh, I'm sure she'll be back on in the future again. Uh, Harding University will be back on with us again next month, and we'll talk further about all the great things they're doing in their graduate program. Fantastic work going on at Harding. When we come back, uh, Congressman French Hill will join us. We've got a lot of things to talk to the congressman about. And uh, Ken Yang will still be here. He'll get in that discussion as well here on the Dave Ellswick Show.
All right, back with you. 7 o'clock hour, and uh, Congressman French Hill is going to join us from Washington, D.C. Ken Yang is here in the studio as well with me, and we've got a lot of things to talk about. And let's go back to last Wednesday, uh, Congressman, and the uh, uh, what they're calling a, the riot that went down uh, at the Capitol. And uh, now that you've had a week to think about it, what what are your thoughts now? Well, good morning, uh, Dave. Good morning, Ken. It's good to be with you. I think what uh, time has uh, caused me to consider is just the lack of capital security and the lack of leadership uh, by the House. Sergeant-at-Arms are potentially the speaker to heed the warnings uh, and to make sure they even got the full warnings. We had a security briefing yesterday uh, and uh, it was about the upcoming inauguration where violence uh, is, again, potentially expected in the Capitol. But in that meeting, we discussed that uh, the FBI had issued a warning of violence and, quote, war uh, during the Trump protests that was being planned. And yet we had no leadership from the Capitol to protect the Capitol in case that was truly a possibility. So while Speaker Pelosi is is rushing to further divide the company uh, country with uh, her impeachment resolution, she's also potentially got a real problem for not allowing the proper security for the Capitol last Wednesday. Yeah, and, and people should have realized, I mean, if you're going to have that, there were a ton of people in Washington, D.C. to hear what the president had to say that day. And because uh, I've watched some videos that people posted uh, where they were out on Pennsylvania Avenue and up a high, up high a little bit. And uh, it it looked like, you know, I don't know, maybe 70, 80,000 people there. You know, when you get that many people together in an emotional type of a situation, bad things a lot of times happen. Well, and they sh- anyone who broke into the Capitol and vandalized the Capitol and used violence and attacked uh, our Capitol Police officers, of course, should be prosecuted. Yes, uh, there's no no question about that. But what I'm what I'm suggesting is this uh, senator sen- more sinister situation that people planned that to take advantage of that rally and turn it into what it was an attack on the Capitol. I mean, the pipe bombs were discovered in the noon hour. This is before President Trump even began speaking. So I think the the breach in security and the lack of intelligence sharing with the Capitol or uh, turning down the National Guard uh, availability at the Capitol for appearance purposes last week is something I'm uh, very concerned uh, about as we look at the aftermath. Are you uh, are you pleased that the president has uh, you know f- basically going to federalize the the National Guard things of that nature for the upcoming inauguration? You know I have mixed uh, feelings about it. I think if we had done a better job last week, <clears throat> we would have um, maybe a different security posture this week. I have to tell you, we now have two perimeters outside the Capitol, and they're putting concertina wire up on the outer perimeter. And the uh, troops, uh, National Guard troops here, will be armed. Um, So it's disconcerting to see that for our uh, 
every four-year inauguration of a president to see that in Washington. Congressman, I, you know, when that happened last Wednesday, on Thursday I was asked what I thought, and I said, I'll tell you what I think. This is being a veteran and, and being a, a, a lover of our Constitution, I was so high, highly saddened by what I saw occur last Wednesday that I nearly cried. I came very close to shedding tears because that's not the America I want. Well, I went down Thursday afternoon into the basement of the Capitol to see the destruction, and um, I stood in just disbelief, and I, I felt the same way on Wednesday as it was happening. I can't believe our citizens uh, turned into a mob and rampaged their temple of democracy uh, through um, just, I just don't know. I'm still speechless about it. I, I, and as I've said, I think they'll all be prosecuted for violating uh, our democracy, violating our laws. But there's a deeper problem here, uh, Dave, which I've, this is why I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I've asked time and time again for our leaders to speak up in the last week. President Trump uh, has not done an adequate job in my view, of speaking up about what happened and what should be done and and his responsibility uh, in it. And Joe Biden has disappointed me by not moving to the peaceful transition. He's called for unity, but his actions are not in line with his words. And Speaker Pelosi is stepped up and just heaping on uh, division uh, and not building any sort of bipartisan consensus as we move to the inauguration next week. Have we you... came back to the Capitol yesterday, uh-huh. and we have mags outside the doors of the Capitol chamber to screen every member of Congress going into the U.S. Capitol, uh, into the U.S. House chamber. Yeah, to be searched for guns, a... right? Yeah. Well, I mean— uh... Yeah, I, I got to say, at least they're taking it seriously. It, it has to be taken seriously because there, there, are, there are elements on both sides that are dangerous that are out there. Yep. It's, it's just, everybody's got to understand that. And uh, be careful of whom you associate with. Make sure you know who you're associating with. Talk a little bit about uh, this bipartisan resolution to honor the uh, United States Capitol Police that you've come up with. Well, we uh, we lost five people on that day due to uh, death. A Capitol policeman was killed by the rioters. A second Capitol policeman was so despondent that day he committed suicide. <clears throat> there have been two additional attempted suicides by Capitol policemen was reported to us by the chief last night. So Ed Perlmutter, a uh, Democrat of Colorado, and I introducing a resolution this morning. It's a bipartisan resolution to commemorate the brave actions of the of the force, the line officers, the men and women who stood there uh, unsupplied, inadequately supported, and to try to defend the U.S. Capitol and protect the vice president and all the members uh, from an attack by this mob. It doesn't in any way uh, salute the leadership who did the planning, but it salutes the men and women in uniform out on the front lines of the U.S. Capitol last Wednesday. Ken, you had a question. Is there is there a plan um, to make sure that this doesn't happen to the U.S. Capitol Police uh, in the future? 
Well, there's no doubt. I mean, there's uh, a desire for a bipartisan commission to uh, completely look at the events of last Wednesday and make sure it never happens again and learn from it, just like we do after any serious uh, breach in security. Uh, but we wanted to pay tribute to Brian Sicknick, uh, who was killed uh, last week, and Howard Liebengood, who committed suicide, and their men and women. I went and visited them, uh, you know, at 11 o'clock Wednesday night, laid out in Statuary Hall in the Rotunda. They were essentially wards for our Capitol Police, D.C. Police, and the others. Uh, they were just laid out on the floor, having been battling for five hours and were exhausted. And so we wanted to salute them. But on the big picture, Ken, absolutely. We're going to do a major investigation. We're going to find out where the breakdown was in the security planning uh, and the backup uh, that you would always have in any kind of a big event. All right. We still got more to talk about with the congressman. Don't forget Congressman Bruce Westerman's coming up in the uh, next half hour. And he was in the bowels of the Capitol when all this was happening. In fact, I think he was in in the minority uh, uh, leader's uh, office, and we're going to hear his story about what that was all about in the next half hour. But when we come back, impeachment and big tech censorship. That's on the docket for the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about PI Roofing. They are standing by, ready to do what they do and, and do best. And that's take care of your roof. Your roof is the last defense that you have against the elements whether it be the rain, the snow, the ice, or whatever it might be, the sun, the heat uh, for your home. And if you really want to protect the inside of your house, you'll make sure that your your roof is kept in good working order. To be able to make sure that's happening, what you really need to do is to uh, have the folks from PI Roofing come by and visit with you and uh, make sure that your uh, roof is in good stead. They'll follow all the you know COVID nineteen protocols and make sure that uh, you're in in good shape. Just give them a call 707-3551 or piroofing.com. All right, back with uh, Congressman French Hill. He does this every week, and I want to thank him for that because uh, he's got a, bu- a busy schedule. And uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman now is on board to do every week as well to keep us informed of what's going to be happening in the Capitol. And let me just say, there's going to be a lot happening uh, on the Hill in Washington, D.C. now, especially after that Georgia election was taken care of and uh, the Democrats won both seats over in the Senate. Let's talk about this impeachment that's going on with the uh, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, Pelosi. I mean, she is she's bound and determined to do this again, uh, Congressman. And I don't see where it it does any good whatsoever. Uh, the Democrats would like uh, President Trump to leave office. Well, guess what? He is leaving office yeah, in next seven week. days. And uh, they are rushing what has been called a snap impeachment. There's no. Uh, findings that are uh, truly impeachable. The president, I think, uh, has not done a good job in his rhetoric or his tone since uh, December 14th when the Electoral College votes were certified in all 50 states. He's been uh, he's encouraged the thought that uh, he did not 
uh, you know, that he, he actually won the election uh, and only lost because of massive fraud and no federal court or state court has, you know, asserted that. So I got it. And I don't agree with his position on that. But that is not an impeachable offense. And the people who invaded the Capitol and broke down the doors uh, were, you know, have their own criminal responsibility to take their own responsibility for what they, they did. So I think it's divisive. I think uh, she's whipped everybody up into a frenzy again for a second week in a row. And I'm disappointed in Joe Biden that he did that he did not. Uh, encourage her not to do this. And he's taken all the eye off uh, his inauguration, all the eye off his cabinet picks. Uh, the, the Senate would have to potentially take up impeachment and therefore disrupt uh, Joe Biden from working with the Senate on his priorities. So I don't think it's good for the country. Yeah, Congressman, I'm I'm glad that you don't uh, uh, support impeachment because there's just not enough and it's just, uh, you know, they, they talk about unity and this is not uniting anyone. However, I do want uh, ask if you comment on, you know, your third ranking member Congressman Cheney coming out and saying that she would support uh, an impeachment vote and whether or not someone like that can continue to lead the Republican uh, caucus or be a leader in the Republican caucus when the Republicans don't overwhelmingly support her position? Well, Liz Cheney is uh, uh, a good person. She feels uh, strongly about this. Um, I agreed with her on certifying the Electoral College vote. Uh, I don't agree with her here. Um, She's elected by the conference, and so she serves at the pleasure of the conference. And so my view is, again, let's reduce division and let's get uh, our new president inaugurated and get back to fighting on the policies uh, that we know that the left is going to press on this country using Joe Biden as their as their vessel. And we have to be all united about that to take on those fights about higher taxes, more regulation, uh, imposing uh, the Green New Deal or Medicare for all. These are the goals of the left. And they're what they're doing right now is being very successful in dividing those of us who are conservatives. Well, yeah, they're dividing us. And by dividing us, they're going to be able to ramrod through some things that we need to be completely united on to be able to stop. Let's talk about the big tech censorship that's been going on. And uh, the left and the right has has uh, argued that uh, Facebook and, uh, of course, Google and Amazon and, and others and Twitter – have been showing the propensity to to do things that they shouldn't be doing, especially when you guys gave them uh, the authority to do what they're doing now under the auspices of being like a bulletin board where everybody could could post their their own thoughts and their own beliefs and things of that nature. And and now uh, you know they're literally wiping uh, conservatives off of those platforms. It's very concerning. I think it should be concerning to people on the left and the right. Uh, And there's two issues I think you'll see Congress address. One is this issue you just uh, focused on, which is the immunity issue as a a bulletin board. There you have private companies. We all check the box for terms and conditions to use Facebook or to use one of these platforms. We agree to abide by those rules. Many people have no idea what those rules are they're agreeing to, but nonetheless – 
So the issue there is, is that being done in a fair manner on the left and the right? And I would argue if somebody allows the Maduro regime or the Ayatollah in Iran or some far left group uh, to, you know, call for uh, not only the impeachment of Trump, but the murder of Trump, that obviously it's a, it is not being done in a fair way. So that's issue one. That's a communications-related issue. That's a Section 230-related issue. It's an issue of are you a media company or are you just a posting site? The second issue is this antitrust issue about selling data, uh, my data, which I've given, you know, again, by checking that box, you're ceding a lot of economic value to big tech. So the issue of antitrust uh, or monopoly-type aspects, I think both of those have bipartisan interest. And they both need to be addressed in this upcoming Congress. Do you think that uh, the parlor Amazon uh, fight is going to end up in the Supreme Court? I really, I really think it could because <clears throat> this gets into choking off, you know, uh, commercial enterprise. Uh, and in addition to the speech issues, and we've seen this where. Uh, AT&T that maybe blocked uh, competition, blocked uh, any other methodology in the telephonic days, was eventually broken up. And we had the 1996 Communication Act where uh, you had a a carry obligation, which created Altel and created a great business in in Arkansas on opening up uh, cell phones. So this kind of threat, in addition to the speech threat, I think both could end up in the federal courts, and I think both will have to be dealt with ultimately by Congress. For my listeners, can you talk a little bit uh, the, the the amount of difference between how many Democrats, how many Republicans there are in the House is razor thin. Uh, what are some of the things that you all can do to fight against the left and some of the things that they've been talking about what they want to get passed? Are they that well Uh, melded together in unity that they're going to be like a battering ram or are they like uh, the Republicans in many instances in pieces in in different areas? I think it depends on the topic. Uh, I think in the Senate, you've seen Joe Manchin, Democrat of West Virginia, say he absolutely will not vote to abolish the filibuster rule, which ultimately allows the minority a major right in the Senate to block bad ideas, meaning you have to get 60 votes to override that filibuster. He also says he doesn't support some of the crazier ideas like increasing the number of seats on the Supreme Court. That position of Joe Manchin's is critical because that is a major firewall in the fact that we have a 50-50 tied uh, Senate. And I'm, I'm so proud that he has that view. In the House, Nancy Pelosi has about a 10 seat uh, majority that's going to shrink as her members uh, leave to go to work in the Biden administration. But in the House, we, you know, the majority rules, period, full stop. And she has taken away minority rights in the rules package, which they pass, which they have the power to do because of their tiny majority. So she's removed our ability to have the last amendment to a bill on the House floor to have major debate and offer a complete alternative. She's taken that away from the House Republicans. So we are in a um, uh, speech-constrained environment in the House. Mm. So it's going to be tough so in the House, right? We're going to be working right? hard. Well, we're going to take the battle to the committees. We're going to uh, 
we're going to take the battle to the committees. A lot of the battle, you know, is on the House floor, trying to go to Rules Committee, get amendments, debate those amendments, uh, fight for what we believe is the right course of action for our country. And so we're going to move that uh, battle, I think, into the committees. Made more difficult by the pandemic, where she insists on proxy voting and no meetings. So... (laughs) We are in a uh, we are in a real battle over the next uh, few months as we get the vaccine out and try to get Congress and the rest of our country up running and functioning. Congressman, we look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks for joining us here today on the Thanks, Dave Ellswick Show. Talk to you later. Thank you. All right, Congressman French Hill. Coming up, Congressman Bruce Westerman. He's just around the corner after Rush here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about uh, Eric Coleman. He's ready to do your uh, diamonds and your jewels that you want to be set in a ring and do a you know a, a really uh, unique piece of jewelry for your wife, for your uh, fiance, or even you know you're really trying to you know impress that girlfriend of yours. He'll take care of that for you. Uh, by just giving him a call at 501-246-3655. Let me remind you again, February 14th is Valentine's Day. Uh, Don't screw the pooch again if you messed it up on Christmas Eve, and don't don't mess up on Valentine's Day because they'll be watching. (laughs) I'm just just warning. They'll be paying attention. Uh, Make sure that you take care of that significant other. The number to call Eric at at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, excuse me, 501-246-3655. They're at 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard right here in Little Rock. That's Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. All right, joining us now for the next half hour, Congressman Bruce Westerman. And Congressman, thanks for joining us here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. We just finished up talking to Congressman Hill. Congressman Hill uh, was over uh, in the Longworth House office building uh, and was watching what was occurring at the Capitol. Uh, you, on the other hand, were inside the Capitol when uh, things went south last Wednesday, and you were at the um, minority leader's office. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct, Dave. And, uh, man, that seemed like it was an eternity ago, but that was just a week ago today. So here we are, another Wednesday in Washington, and uh, back up here and going at it again. But that was quite, uh, you know, historical and unforgettable experience that I I had and, and, uh, you know, just a crazy chain of events that I would even be where I was when when it all happened. So... uh, I've told the story to to reporters, and you know they've only got so much space to to write it down. But it was uh, uh, quite a day where I uh, found myself uh, by myself in the minority leader's office, which is a a suite of offices. It's not just one office, and uh, I found myself looking around his office to see what I could use for a weapon. And uh, he had a couple of of swords in there. Which, uh, you know, that's not a bad weapon to have. That's correct. When you're taking a when you're taking a knife to a gunfight, and uh, you know, the last word, last official word I had from the Capitol Police uh, until they came back an hour or two later, after everything was cleaned out, was that um, you know there were shots fired in the Capitol around the House chamber. So uh, it's 
you know, obviously one of those experiences I'll I'll take with me for a lifetime. Well, talk to my my listeners and uh, why were you at the minority leader's office at the time that this uh, this broke oh, out? Okay, yeah, Kevin and I have uh, become friends, and I had uh, an issue I needed to discuss with him, and I had had gone to the house floor uh, to listen to the debate <clears throat> because of COVID. There were way too many people in the house floor, uh, according to the sergeant of arms. So I was going to come back to my office and watch uh, watch the live feed and thought I'm, I'm going to stop by and see if Kevin's in and run something by him. So I got I went there and he was in his office by himself. So he and I were just sitting there watching the TV and watching things unfold uh, when the crowd built out on the uh, the side of the Capitol and from his office, we had a you know a bird's eye view of everything that was taking place. So we saw them come through the the first barrier. We saw the police line there, and uh, his security detail was getting uh, you know really antsy about everything going on. And they told him they were going to have to evacuate him, and he he said, "No, I'm I'm staying here because he was planning to go speak on the floor." Uh, but when they started breaking windows out and and entered the building, they didn't really give him a, a choice on on evacuating. And I could have I could have went with him, but his staff was staying behind with other Capitol police officers, and I I chose to stay there with them uh, because I didn't want to be you know interrupting whatever it was he had to do in leadership. But I went back in his personal office and was watching TV. And I, probably 10 minutes later, I went out to check on the rest of the staff, and there was nobody there. So I, I kind of missed the boat on the, the evacuation. But, it, you know, I just kept my calm and and assessed the situation, and there weren't weren't any problems, even though there were protesters in, inside that office on multiple occasions while I was there. Yeah, that's something that people may not have known, is that you kind of fell back to – I guess one of the restrooms where you felt that it was a lot more secure than being out in the uh, the main suite. And uh, you heard people come into that office during the time that you were back there. And luckily, nobody, you know, came through your door uh, where you were at. But you heard a lot of things going on. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, in the in the leader's office, there's there's two doors. So I was checking that out on how I could lock those doors and one of them didn't have a lock on it. So, uh, I was, you know, looking around in his office and, uh, there was a a little half bath there that had a very secure door and secure lock on it. And, uh, I thought, you know, if I have to, I can, uh, I can get in here if, if I have to. And after, um, those other two, Capitol Police officers came through, one of them in riot gear, and the announcement came that there were shots fired, and they, they had to rush out, and I was there by myself. Um, again, I said I had a sword, but I didn't necessarily think it was smart to you know go to a gunfight with a knife. So when I heard people coming, I would get in the bathroom and lock the door, and they would rummage through the, the leader's office, and a couple of occasions, they grabbed the hold of the door handle and, and tried to open it. Um, so, and again, I never really felt uh, threatened or scared, but I knew there obviously could be 
you know, a very bad situation on the other side of that door. Now, now am I am I right that you heard the the uh, um, popping of the canisters for tear gas and things out in the hallways? Yeah, it was very loud in the Capitol. Of course, all the marble and stuff echoes, but um, it was hard to distinguish what the sounds were. But you know, everything from doors slamming to people uh, hitting the walls with sticks, to tear gas canisters, to flashbangs, to uh, uh, you know, at one point gunshots. I was I was hearing that, but um, it was really hard to distinguish uh, what was what uh, as I was hearing it. Yeah, as you sit now and you, you've got a, you've had a week to think about this and look back on it. Uh, do you, I, we just talked, as I said, to, to Congressman Hill. He doesn't feel that the Speaker of the House took warnings that they had been given seriously enough. Your thoughts on that? That was a question I raised almost immediately, uh, and now we found out that the FBI or the intelligence agencies had information the day before. Um, the speaker, um, I mean, I think before the day was over, had fired the sergeant of arms and fired the uh, chief of the Capitol Police. And, and if you look at the structure of all that, there's a governing board, and the House sergeant of arms was the head of the governing board uh, right now. That flips between the House and the Senate sergeant of arms. So. From a security standpoint, the House Sergeant of Arms was in the top position. But, um, you know, I immediately asked if if Pelosi has the power to fire him on the spot and the chief of police, then where does the buck stop? And how much did she know about this before uh, before it happened? And I think eventually all that information is hopefully going to, to come out. Um, but I found it several things odd. Not only that, but the fact that she called the uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, which is clearly not in her constitutional lane to do that. Um, so uh, she seems to get a free pass on, on everything she does, but I'm, I'm not going to stop calling her out on it. All right. Our guest is uh, Congressman uh, Bruce Westerman. He'll be with us until the top of the hour. I got to get a break in. We come back. When we come back, let's talk about the impeachment that's uh, evidently going to happen today and talk about uh, big tech censorship as well, Congressman. A lot of topics on the front burner today here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll be back with Congressman uh, Westerman in just a moment here on uh, the, the the show here on 1011 FM, The Answer. Uh, don't forget about David Lucas and what he's uh, doing for you. Uh, you've got to make sure you take care of your own retirement nobody else is going to do it of course you're going to get your social security or whatever but what i'm talking about taking care of it i'm i'm talking about are you making sure that you are applying for social security at the right time are you making sure that if you have a 401k if it's not a roth you know that you've got you got kind of a co-account where you've got a uh, well it's not kind of it is a co-account it comes when you start taking money out of that account, uh, the federal government is going to take and the state government is going to take what they see as being their share of that 401k as well. That's about 25 percent of whatever you're pulling out, at least if you live here in Arkansas. Well, David Lucas thinks you need to know about all of this 
and you need to sit down and talk to somebody about it. But if you don't have that time right now, then get his uh, uh, publication, The Ultimate Retirement Planning Checklist. Are you ready to retire? And uh, get that. And there's like 31 questions inside of this. And go through each one of those and make sure you've thought about all of them and make sure that whatever you've decided to do with those questions is the right thing to do with those questions. So you protect your money. Now, to get one of these, be one of the first 10 callers at 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. And uh, get yourself set up for one of them so that you can check in on all of these important uh areas that you need to know about investment advisory services are offered through david lucas financial an arkansas registered investment advisor all right we're back with the congressman bruce westerman here on the dave ellswick show uh today uh house democrats are pushing for for the impeachment 2.0 of uh president trump your thoughts on that whole process yeah, before I talk about that, Dave, let's go back and talk about the vote last week because uh, okay. you know, I took a took a lot of lot of heat over that vote where I voted not to sustain the objections uh, that were made in Arizona and Pennsylvania, and I knew when I took that vote I was going to take a lot of heat. But as Republicans, we've always talked about uh, following the Constitution. We That's talk about right. federalism and. Uh, you know, as I looked at the the whole situation, and I did as much research on this as as anything I've ever looked at uh, on a vote. Um, at the end of the day, I didn't think it was right for one state or for Congress to overturn the results of another state where you didn't have a you didn't have a representative and a senator from that state making the objection. Uh, you know, Ted Cruz objected to Arizona. Uh, the people of Arizona have absolutely no recourse on Ted Cruz. Had that been an Arizona senator, I think that would have made a stronger case. Um, the people of Pennsylvania have absolutely no recourse to on Josh Hawley. Uh, however, there is a Republican senator in Pennsylvania that didn't object. So um, it's you, you get you can get way into the weeds on what's constitutional on Article 2, Amendment 12, the Electoral Count Act of 1887. Um, electors have been objected to after Article 2 and before Amendment 12, after Amendment 12 and before the Electoral Count Act and after the Electoral Count Act. So I believe there's certainly legitimacy into objecting to electors, but um, it's it should be done on a state level. And if we want to fix voting issues or across the country, that goes back to state legislatures around the country to fix that. They've got to pass the laws and enforce those laws uh, in the state. So um, I haven't really had a chance to talk about, um, you know, the rationale behind why I voted like I did, but I'm very comfortable with the with the vote that I made, even though that's not. Uh, I can promise you, it's not that popular or around my district. Well, here's here's um, here's what I feel like, Congressman. 
if 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 you voted because of constitutional reasoning, uh, which you did, the same thing that uh, Senator Cotton did, uh, I stand on your side because that's what governs this country is the Constitution. And elections, according to Constitution, are a state matter, except for dictating what day and things of that nature. Now, I think maybe uh, you on the uh, federal side are going to have to perhaps tighten that up some so that states can't willy-nilly uh, say, well, yeah, if, if it came in and, and uh, you know, whatever, we're going to count them for another two weeks after they come in. You, you know, you might have to, to weigh in on that. But overall, the Constitution is very clear that that is where the states have their power. That's where the Tenth Amendment comes in. Right. And we always talk about federalism and the, the Tenth Amendment and, and not overreaching. And I, you know, I have to ask myself if Nancy Pelosi, a member of the House, and Chuck Schumer, a member of the Senate, challenged votes in Arkansas, how would the voters of Arkansas feel about that? Mm-hmm. Um, do we not believe that our state can take care of uh, election issues and fix those at the state level where every member of the the state assembly and the state senate are accountable to the to the voters uh, in that state and uh, you know this if you look at hr1 from the last congress um, is the federalizing of elections and that's the democrats number one priority and this argument that Congress can go in and change state voting laws plays right into their hand on not only uh, federalizing election laws across the country, but also on doing away with electoral college, which are two objectives that the, the Democrats have. So uh, there's much bigger constitutional issues at stake uh, than a vote that I said before, and I'll say it again, was having going to have absolutely no impact on the outcome of the election. Um, and, you know, for uh, one of the most disheartening things I saw last week is when President Trump made the statement about Vice President Pence that he could uh, well, do the right thing and get him four more years. I'm, I'm paraphrasing that, but... Uh, that put the vice president in an extremely awkward situation, and I think Mike Pence did the right thing. And for um, you know people to come in the Capitol chanting "Hang Mike Pence," uh, yeah. that's that's not a good day. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. And uh, that whole that whole thing that went on, you know, reminds me of the Beatles song "Revolution." And a lot of people want to talk about, yeah, we need a re- you know, revolution, but uh, you, people got to read and listen to what the Beatles said at that time about Chairman Mao and all the rest of it. You know, you can count me out on all of that kind of stuff, and people can. Anyway, uh, and by the way, let me just say, I think you did the right thing. I mean, if if well, if, if, if one voice makes you feel better, here's my voice. <laughs> you did the right thing, Congressman. Well, uh, there's there's plenty of people who disagree with you, Dave. I know it, there uh, are. It, it does make me feel feel better that you would you would say that. Um, but of course, now we're seeing what we would expect to see: the utter hyperventilating and overreaction from the left, and you know, shutting off social media accounts, um, 
you know, how much hypocrisy is there when you got the Ayatollah and, um, you know, the worst people around the world who are able to use Twitter, but they shut down um, accounts of the of the president and other people here uh, in the United States. So something has to be done. And I, I actually think there's there's bipartisan support to to rein these big tech companies in. Um, you know, President Trump railed on that. He wanted to do it in the uh, uh, the Defense Act, which was not the appropriate place to do it. Had it been done in there, it would have only uh, been good for one year. Um, but he rightly brought uh, attention to the issue that um, big tech is out of control. Yes, they and, are. Uh, they're private companies. They can. Uh, they've got a right to take you off of their platforms, as the law stands right now. But you know what? The the national broadcast companies, uh, radio, um, that's all, for the most part, privately held companies as well. Uh, but that doesn't mean that uh, they have the right to uh, to stop people's free speech. And you talk about a fundamental right of our country the right to free speech is uh, is you know it's paramount to our constitution and we have to stand up and push back uh, on these tech companies that want to um, take your information sell it and then tell you what to say and think all right congressman we're out of time thanks for the time and we'll talk to you again next wednesday right here on the dave ellswick show have a great week Two days. All right, Congressman Bruce Westerman here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'll be back with you tomorrow, 6 a.m. JR will join me, Seth will join me, and then uh, Joe and uh, Duck will be with me in the second hour to take your car questions. Don't forget about that, 823 You can call in and talk to them, or you can send your question to me, Dave Ellswick, at, or Dave at SalemLR.com. 